Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a five-star rating, please do so and give us a glowing fond review. Pause this recording and do so. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, an Anglican priest. Chris, how are you? I'm great, Kirk. See, I flipped it there. You, you did. You did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm great. Somewhere a listener uh, just drove off the road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we get formulaic, and then, then we flip the formula on you. Uh, are you familiar with the cartoon Phineas and Ferb? Uh, have we talked about this? I, I have walked through the room when okay. it has been on the television. Oh, well, it, it's, it's one of the best cartoons out there. It's and great. Like, and, and like Ricky Bobby, when forced to listen to jazz, I've said, get that out of my head. It, uh, it's, what makes it great is that it is formulaic. Every episode is exactly the same. <laughs> I believe. I, I could be wrong. I haven't actually watched many of the episodes. But uh if I were to sit down and watch it, I would thoroughly enjoy the show. Um, the formula is this, that um, it's their summer vacation and, and Phineas and Ferb uh, get into trouble and their sister, Candace, tries to bust them. And so uh, that's that's the, the A plot. So they, I don't know, build a skyscraper up to the moon or something. Um, the engineering <laughs> feats beyond all anything you could fathom. And Candace tries to say, Mom, Phineas and Ferb are building a skyscraper to the moon and uh, that's 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 plot a she never busts them always tries to uh the b plot is that uh their pet platypus perry the platypus and i've recently learned how to say perry in spanish kirk oh perry no, no i mean no did i say perry or Pe i learned how to say platypus um because okay, we on. watched a few episodes in spanish uh okay because kira Curiously, um, they don't have Spanish subtitles. You can get pair, you can get Phineas and Ferb in just about any language, but the subtitles are only in English on Disney Plus. Maybe one other language, but not not Spanish. So we listen to it sometimes in Spanish, and then have English subtitles. So Perry the Platypus is Perry um, uh, El Ornitorinco is how you say platypus in Spanish. That's that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Ornitorinco. So is that is that like ornate? Is that is that is that a like, Latin like a con? Does that have a could Latin be. root? Yeah, yeah. Ornate being. I don't I don't know the the. Literal... It is ornate. It's got yeah. a lot going on. Lots going on. Got a duck bill. It's got it lays eggs. Um, so pair the platypus is their pet platypus is a secret agent who. All, always heads off uh, with uh, Professor Doofenshmirtz, who's evil, and always trying to take <laughs> Wait, over the tri-state area. Bless you. He's trying to take over this tri-state area. How do you say his uh, name? Doofenshmirtz. What, what three states? Uh, that's not clear to me. <laughs> but that's oh, what's funny. He's, he's Ohio, never trying to take PA, over the, West Virginia. He's New not York, trying to New take Jersey. over the world. Okay. He's trying to take over the tri-state area. That's part of the joke. <laughs> so he's, so he's modest. And, he, and yes, yeah, he's modest plants. Uh, modest supervillain. Here the platypus shows up and immediately gets captured, like tied up, a cage, you know, and the professor explains his evil plan and then Perry thwarts it and mom returns just in time uh, for Candace to not, you know, just too late so Candace doesn't bust them. But that my, the point of that is that um, formulas can be great so kirk what's the formula uh for success in the shire this week 
uh, before I get to the formula for, for success, <laughs> you reminded me of um, two months ago, the vestry meeting, we were reviewing a document kind of about our parish profile. And uh, uh, twice we referred to the tri-county area. And like one of our more venerable <laughs> members of, uh, of, the, the, of the vestry was like, time out. Okay, like I got to be the one to ask the dumb question. What are the three counties that we're ministering to? <laughs> so Be- Beaver, um, yeah, yeah. Butler, yeah. Allegheny? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but like, that wasn't evident. To, like it was never stated. Sure. It was just kind of. Sure. The tri, the tri count, tri, county tri area. County. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is the formula for success um, in the Shire? Well, 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 this was the. I mean, you've got my... four kids at three different schools. What's the formula? And you teach at a fourth different school. That is true. What's the formula for success? That is, that is, that is true. Well, well, I, well, I do have a strange story. So I, I haven't mastered success yet, but I but I have had some curious adventures this week. So this autumn has been my inaugural season as a head baseball coach. I've previously only ridden coattails. Mm. Being an assistant is great because you get to say things like like a good eye and <laughs> good hustle, and you know get to give high fives and that's 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 it's great, and you get uh, you get to be in the dugout. Um, but, uh, but, but head coach, you get to go to the bullpen and signal for the, for the lefty. Oh my gosh. My wife has mocked all my signals, not mocked. No, no. She loves them. She's <laughs> like, I don't know what those things are, but man, it, you look, you look amazing out there. I'm like, that's the point. Isn't the point is for the, the hitters and the runners to know what to do. But <laughs> so anyway, we, this was our last week. And, uh, before, uh, we wrapped up yesterday, today is a Thursday. So we had games on Monday and Wednesday. And her second to last game on Monday, I was, I, I had, I had reached the, the entire weekend had elapsed without me using any of our baseball equipment, my glove, the bucket of balls, all that stuff. So I reached into the bucket of balls as I was about to begin pitching uh, batting practice in the batting cage next to our field, to, to our team. And I saw this odd thing on my, uh, it's a strange thing brushed my arm. And I saw this, this, this odd fuzzy thing on my baseball gloves. And I looked at it. I'm like, what is that? And I kind of like flicked at it and it was stuck to it. I'm like, that's a caterpillar. That's a weird hairy caterpillar. Like it wasn't long. So it wasn't a piece of pumpkin pie. It was not a piece of pumpkin pie. Oddly, not, not even, not even pumpkin color. I could tell it was like gray and, and furry. And so I like, I had to like wrench it off kind of, and it was, it was definitely alive. It was, it was a caterpillar. All right. So fast forward. 10 minutes and suddenly I look down at my arm. Here's time for show and tell. And my arm itches and is red tremendously. I'm like, what? What? And I like, I didn't know it, like I didn't have any salve on it. Like I'm like, I like rubbed it. And then it was inflamed that night. I'm like, what did I do? Did I mow the lawn? Is it poison ivy? And I'm like, wait a minute. So I Google poisonous caterpillar rash. Do you know that this is a thing? <laughs> I've been in tremendous discomfort all week on my arm because a caterpillar, guess what? Um, Some caterpillars, that fur, that fur isn't fur. They're tiny quills with Mm. poison on the end of them. (laughs) I was poisoned by a caterpillar this week. That's what happened in my week. So, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. You're right. That is kind of the opposite of success. (laughs) Right. That's just bad luck. Yeah. I mean, you know what Jesus said though? He said, many who are first will be last and the last first. So I feel like there's some connection there. And we lost our last game too. <laughs> Shall we look at the gospel? Let's. This week's gospel comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last first, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kirk, many times in the past, we've talked about the structure of these gospels. And uh, one scholar points out that a man, believe it or not, would have seen his wife and children as property. So um, when he, uh, the, the question about divorce in chapter, uh, at the beginning of chapter 10, and then the question uh, of children, of children approaching him and Jesus saying, let the children come to me. Um, and this uh, all are tied together with uh, a person's property. And so the theme that we are going to come to is, is one of our connection to the things. Um, <laughs> that's not to say that we today see those things as property, but, um, but the things that, that are near and dear to us. And I guess perhaps a key for unlocking this uh, I'll say ahead of time, which is uh, a great saying by Luther, that our hearts are idle factories. So we here today see that it's very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Um, that's not to say that it's easy for the poor, because a poor person can be just as much an idolater of, of things, of possessions, than, than a rich person. Um, a, a rich person could be totally owned by their own, um, uh, a poor person could be totally owned by their own love of the very little that they have. So, so anyway, let's, let's take a look at this from the top. Um, this man, which uh, we usually call the rich young ruler, uh, in Mark only identifies him as a man. Um, we find from the other gospels, he is, he is well, we see here, he's rich. Um, another one of the gospels says young, and one of the gospels says ruler. So he's the... <laughs> We'll put them together, and he's the rich young ruler. And in, in Matthew, isn't he a lawyer? I don't Unimportant. Think so. Unimportant. In one of them, he's a ruler, not a, not a lawyer. Okay. Um, because uh, you know, so even as he says, "Good teacher," um, there, there are a couple things going on here. It's possible that he's ingratiating Jesus. That and Jesus is like, "Yeah, don't, don't, don't suck up to me. Don't call me good. Only." But Jesus is also doing something else here. He, he is saying, you know, if in fact it is only God that's good, um, then who is Jesus? Jesus is like, guess what? I, um, I'm divine. Um, that he, Jesus is far more than just a teacher. Um, he's not just a rabbi. Um, and he asks this question that at its core, Kirk, is just a misunderstanding of, of, of how God works. Um, he says, what must I do? to inherit eternal life. Now, Kirk, I'm not, um, our parents have, have 
shared with us in the past, things that they've intended to pass on to us. But um, my question for you is this, uh, if in fact this is legally binding in their will, that this is what they want you to have, um, what is it that will happen for you to inherit? Is, it, is there something that you must do to inherit these things? Uh, don't our parents have to die? Yeah. 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 Like you don't earn, you don't earn inheritances. Like the, the thing that happens for you to inherit something is for that person to die. <laughs> right. So it's kind of a strange question. Um, and then also we see Jesus uh, give him this, this kind of a review of the second table of the 10 commandments. These ones uh, not relating to how we relate to God, but how we relate to each other. Um, Jesus says, don't commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Uh, and uh, you would not be surprised to know that the reformers uh, are not big fans of the answer of the rich young ruler mm -hmm. who says, teacher, I've kept all these from my youth. Uh, they're a little bit dubious about his ability to actually keep these, uh, keep these laws. Let me see if I can pull up uh one of their quotes well while I, you're doing that yeah uh um in 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 matthew last year we read the beatitudes and we will again on all saints day right um well they're not the beatitudes the sermon on the mount which yes. says you have heard it said right. um do not covet but i say unto you any man who has looked at his neighbor's property you know has committed theft in his heart right so like with, I mean, Jesus elsewhere and teaches a man that, who looks lustfully has committed right, adultery. You, you know, you say you have kept these commandments, but you have you have not kept these commandments. But go on. Yeah. So here's just a quote from you know two reformers. One is named uh, John Calvin, and the other is named uh, Martin Luther. Uh, so Calvin says, "But intoxicated with foolish confidence, he fearlessly boasts that he has discharged his duty properly since childhood." Yeah, Calvin's not buying it. Martin Luther. Where is he who keeps the Decalogue? That is the Ten Commandments. Or who can fulfill the commandments? After the fall of Adam, no one has fulfilled the law. And yet Jesus looks at him and it says he loved him. And curiously, um, so it means clearly that Jesus is perceiving something in him. Um, he, is, he is perceiving what his idol is. Um, but uh, it's, it's interesting to point out that this is the only time in Mark that Jesus is described as loving a particular individual. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but uh, I mean, the, the issue does come back to him saying, what must I do to inherit? And so Calvin continues. He says, he therefore dreams of merits. You know, he's not someone seeking grace. So he's not, so Jesus praises who? The one who realizes his sin, right? And confesses it. The one who beats his breast, right? Um, so, so this, this man's sort of self-righteousness is, is, is um, not an adequate way of seeing his own um, standing before God. And, and so Jesus recognizes a one way to make him realize this, Um and Jesus looks at him, loves, loved him, and says, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And it says that this guy went away, sorrowful because he had great possessions. And so Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach um, about wealth and how it can separate us from God. And, and so going back, Kirk, to the Sermon on the Mount, we can think about what Jesus taught about, you know, when he said, do not be anxious. And he uses the, the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, how they don't plant or they neither sow nor reap. Um, and yet they are arrayed beautifully and they're provided for. Um, they're dressed better than Solomon in all his glory. And, and um, they are uh, provided for with food. And um, I mean, that's not to say that we don't plan. Jesus also talked about if someone uh, plans to do something that they ought to um, count the cost, right? If you're going to, was it building a, building a tower? Was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I, I would not say that you should liquidate your um, IRAs or your 401k. Um, I think planning and, and prudence is really, really good. I don't think Jesus is, is calling each of us to give away all that we have and give it to the poor. And when we look at, at the book of Acts um, and we do see 
um, people liquidating their, not necessarily liquidating their assets, but like selling land and, 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 and making sure that all who had need um, that that was provided for uh, in this early church. And we see that Ananias and Sapphira were not required to do, to sell all this and give all the proceeds. It was their lie about it being more of a gift than it was that got them in trouble. Um, we see this great providing for other people in, in the book of Acts. We see a, a collection taken for the church in Jerusalem. So we see certainly generosity in providing for anyone who had needs so that no one has needs, but there's nowhere a call essentially for universal poverty um, for those who follow Jesus. Um, otherwise, we would all be homeless <laughs> and the church would have no resources uh, if, if we um, liquidated everything and gave it to the poor. So that's, that's not what Jesus is saying, but he's saying that, that wealth is a major, major impediment. Um, and the reality is that uh, we have an insatiable thirst. Like, like I said, Luther said our hearts are idle factories. And, and so we have this in, in insatiable thirst for things. And we think that it is, I'm sorry, when we think that things will satisfy us, we are utterly mistaken. And I believe I've said this before on the, on the podcast that um, every person thinks they would be content if they had 10% more. And that includes the person who makes 10,000 a year, the person who makes $100,000 a year, and the person who makes a million dollars a year, everyone. Um, uh, I don't mean everyone thinks they would be content. Everyone who is discontented at what they have thinks that just a little bit more would be enough. And the reality is that um, if in fact you are not content with what you have, you will never, ever, ever be content, no matter how much it is that you have. And uh, so this is the warning that Jesus gives us that, um, if in fact it is things that bring us pleasure, then 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 Jesus brings us very little pl pleasure. If we um, have our satis not just satisfaction, if we seek um, security in things, and that again, get insurance, get life insurance, insure your, your possessions, be prudent. But if ultimately um, your trust is in the things that you have to protect you. Um, and provide for you, um, that is is uh, a major barrier to you uh, resting in in God and, and in Him. And um, uh, I'll say one more thing, Kirk, and then I'll kind of see what what you have to say here. Uh, there are people who are who love esoterica um, that like anything that seems like it's like a new thing that maybe nobody nobody else knows. Uh, mm -hmm. They're they're fascinated by this and and gobble it up and the problem is like not all esoterica is is factual and so somewhere i and i've heard this from several sources not just from books i've heard heard people say when when jesus says um it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle um some people point to the fact that there's some gate in jerusalem called like the needle gate or something and if a camel were to get it on its knees then it could go through there. Um, that is not true. Um, the first, <laughs> the first um, testimony about such a gate was in the ninth century. It's th there was no gate there in in Jesus' time. Um, and someone also said that the, like, oh, maybe it's a rope, not 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 uh, uh, that a rope can't. Well, a rope still can't go through the, the eye of a needle. Um, the point is, Jesus thought of the largest animal that they would have known of, a camel, and the smallest hole, the smallest like aperture. Um, and he's like, it's impossible. And so he's probably saying something about salvation by grace, I think, um, that it is God who saves, um, not us who do something to merit eternal life, but Christ who is the propitiating sacrifice for our sins. Um, and so he's teaching something about wealth and how we ought to trust in God and not in our own wealth, um, the, how wealth can be a major impediment to us trusting God. And um, also in... Um, the, the thing that is impossible is made possible because Christ died for us and as a sacrifice for our sins. Amen. Here concludes your, uh, your thoughts. All yes, right, sir. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I was eager to hear what you had to say because um, I, I imagine that you and I have our, our, our reaction to this passage is probably, they're probably concentric circles. Um, but yet I was pleased that they weren't too concentric. Um, you had a lot of different thoughts. So 
Um, to me, I, I have, I remember, I actually wrote a, um, I wrote a little mini essay. So mm. for the benefit of myself, like it didn't get published anywhere in 2005, 2006, explaining to myself why I was still a Protestant. That's an mm. interesting thing. Like why I'm, mm. um, I think, I think there was, um, this was when uh, kind of in the 2000, mid 2000s, the Episcopal church was kind of undergoing an upheaval trying to get a, get a sense for what it was going to be. Was it going to be a, a, a historic reformed Catholic church body or just another liberal Protestant denomination? Um, and so I remember uh, one, one of the clarifying, I kind of wrote in, a me, uh, within that I wrote a meditation on this as an example of um, why grace and grace alone is absolutely utterly at the center of my faith. Mm. So let me explain. <laughs> to me, the question that leaps out of this is the, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you, I love that you, you, uh, you seized upon the word inherit, which that is a curious, and that's the wrong verb, as you pointed out. Yeah, right? yeah. You um, can't do anything to inherit something. Yeah. Um, but I, You're but merely I, a beneficiary. Yeah, but but I looked at the I do that just struck me as, as strange. What must I do that he answers that? And of course, that's so human, right? Um, and it's so uh, American, and it's very Western, right? Uh, we have the sense that um, you get what you deserve, right? We have, we're, we're mm. sort of um, uh, uh, the 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 most functional, the the most flourishing, the most prosperous societies are meritocracies, right? Um, you got to work hard to um, to earn. Not only that, and, Kirk, we want to believe in karma, I think, as a society. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and Jesus, as, as you pointed out, right, gives kind of a summary of the law. Um, well, first of all, he, the, the, um, the, the, with the, I picture him having a twinkle in his eye, right? Why do, why do you call me good? No one except God alone is good. Hmm. Wink, 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 right? And we can get back to that in a moment. Um, but we see very quickly that fulfilling the law is not enough right? Jesus says to him, you know, the commandments, and he recites um, some of them, right? Um, and uh, the guy responds, yeah, well, I, I do, I do, teacher, and I have, I have, I have striven to keep these, striven, strive, strove, something, tried to keep these, um, and you pointed out, Jesus looks at him and loves him, um, and it's interesting, uh, fulfilling the law is not enough in the kingdom of God, um, that is not enough to win eternal life. And Jesus gives a picture of what it is. And it's, well, you got to sell everything, give to the poor, sell it all, right? So you must wholly empty yourself. You must pour out yourself for others. The logical reaction that the disciples have is, well, who can do that? Hmm. Well, and Jesus says, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Who can do that? For man, it is impossible. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and here we have to um, immediately, we should be called back to Jesus um, with the twinkle in his eye saying, why do you call me good? Only no one is good except God alone. Right. So with man, it is impossible. Um, well, who does that leave? Who can inherit eternal life? Only God, right? Only God can inherit eternal life. Right. And this brings us ultimately to the doctrine of sola gratia, right? Grace alone. The only one, again, the question, what must I do? The only one doing the inheriting of eternal life is the son of God, right? But we are the beneficiaries. And this is in theology, what is called the great exchange. We carry um, to God, nothing but our sins. And he carries to us the benefits one on the cross that is eternal life and he and we exchange it <laughs> he takes our sins and we take um his his righteousness uh his grace um his ransom for for all um this is uh this is this is uh caused many to um fall to their knees in conversion um when they realize the full magnitude of our sinfulness and the full magnitude of, of, of what God has done for us. Um, but I believe, Christopher, that that is what, has, what is in this parable. 
if we have eyes to see it, right? Um, uh, who, uh, teacher, who can, what is it? Let's see, where is it? Uh, teacher, uh, let's see. Um, disheartened, he went away. Um, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Who can do this? Uh, with man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible. I'm sorry for hemming and hawing there. I, I, I lost, lost my spot, lost my spot. Um, and so um, there's no, I think there have probably been a lot of bad sermons preached on this um, that essentially say that's not actually, like the plain meaning of that isn't actually what Jesus means. Um, but if we read it like, like a child, as, we, as Father Ben Jeffries uh, recommended several weeks ago, um, the plain meaning is clear, right? It is only with God that we can inherit eternal life, right? It is only um, God's inheritance of eternal life um, that, that can be ours. His, um, the benefits of his passion, death, and salvation on the cross. Um, so we're, we're led back to Christopher, one of our, our great theme on this podcast, right? The way of the cross, yeah. <laughs> right? The way up is down. Um, unless, uh, un unless you give up everything, right? House, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, for my sake and for the gospel, um, you will not receive eternal life, right? Uh, many who are first will be last and the last will be first. The way up is down. Um, um, Jesus wins all, right? Um, eternal mm -hmm. life for all uh, humankind um, by giving up everything. And um, when we join ourselves to that, then eternal life is there. Um, but it's so, so a lot of people probably want to talk about the wealth thing. Um, and uh, so it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, I think it's clear here that our value is not in our wealth and our wealth is of no value in the kingdom. Yeah. Even more, it's probably a hindrance. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we inherently respect people who've earned wealth. Right. We inherently, I think, uh, um, assume that they, 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 they've, they've discovered something about life. They have wisdom. Um, they have value. Uh, and and as, we, as we've seen in previous weeks, Christopher, um, actually, it is the little children that are welcome to come. Right. Again, we have an inversion. Right. Those who have nothing to offer Christ are placed at the front of the line are given the prize seat at the wedding banquet. Um, but those of us who wish to carry in um, our accomplishments in this life, um, we'll find that they're, they're, they're worthless, right? They're filthy rags. Now we're mixing, I'm at that point, I'm mixing metaphors and mixing parables, right? Um, but that's what I see, that's what I see happening here. Um, I, I, think, I think this is probably, this, this passage might be a stumbling block um, to people who uh, want to see this as as, as maybe a teaching on, on what to do if you're wealthy <laughs> or, sure. or maybe sure. um, how to inherit eternal life. And I think Jesus is, is puckish. He has a sense of humor. Um, and um, sometimes as he says, like, <laughs> I teach in parables, so you do not know what I mean. <laughs> um, uh, this is, this is multi-layered and I think it's, it's deep and it's rich, but I think that this is about grace and it's mm -hmm. about that we carry nothing accept our sins um, to the foot of the cross. And that is the way into the kingdom. What say you? I concur. Uh, I do think it also uh, is saying something about possessions. Definitely. Uh, and sure. and I do, I do want to say this. Um, if, if you're looking to move on, I want to say this, that, that um, in those closing verses, um, that, that uh, this is not a proof text for the prosperity gospel. Um, right. It says, uh, verse 29 and 30, um, all these things that, that you've left. In verse 30, it says, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. So basically, like, if you leave these things. And so some prosperity gospel preachers um, will say, you know, give now, even if you don't have, because you are going to receive back 100fold. Um, as if this is a proof text that like, I don't know, you, you give the, the, the dishonest preacher on the TV, your money that God will give you back a hundredfold, you know, so that you can be wealthy. Um, now in this time, houses and brothers and si sisters and mothers and children and lands, 
Uh, it's interesting that persecutions is, is in that list. Isn't that mm -hmm. interesting? Yeah. <laughs> um, what this is saying um, is, is it's, it's a profound statement, I think, about the church, that um, in this time, um, those things that you leave behind, you will receive in the church. You receive this new family. Remember yeah. yes. um, Jesus teaching on, um, on family, you know, right. see oh, who are my mother and brothers here, just right. to those around him are my mother and my brothers. Um, and this is saying that like, uh, like we see in the beginning of Acts, that that um, those things that you leave behind for Christ's sake, um, you receive in in the kingdom today, um, yeah. in, in Christ's church. Um, you see God provide brothers and sisters. Can and I it's just think that, that that fathers are not included here, and I think that that's significant in that God is our Father. Oh yeah. Um, that that uh, and that's not to say that we don't have earthly fathers that are non-biological like spiritual fathers but but i think that, that that's significantly um but then like persecutions uh is added here um in, in an interesting way that wouldn't fit with with the uh prosperity gospel but um we do have persecutions coming along with these things but the uh, uh the suffering with the persecutions is is softened um by the things that we have received um in in christ in in the church Sorry, yeah. what were you going to say? Um, I, I was just—it's uh, interesting that you noted that—that—that that, um, that we find these things anew, and transfigured, and more fulfilling in the church. Um, this has been a—I don't know how much I've shared here in this forum. Um, this has been a, a very difficult time in the life of our, our parish. We've undergone a lot of upheaval, and not just mm -hmm. COVID-related. There have been other things. And I have now more than ever in the last calendar year, in the last 12 months, even perhaps, yeah, last 12 months, um, found, um, yearned for, leaned into, looked at the church as, as, a, as a family that sustains me, um, that refills my cup, um, that that time um, on, on Sundays uh, in divine worship, um, in, in the fellowship, uh, in teaching at Sunday school, at choir practice, um, that, that, that this is this is a family that is life-giving to me. Mm. Um, and, and it took a time of extraordinary trial for me to, for me to realize that. And, and I've, I've served on a, on a couple of extra committees in the last year as our church has gone through a, a difficult time. And that too, we've, we've absolutely had to um, lean on each other, rely on each other, spend more time in prayer together than we have ever spent cumulatively before. Hmm. Um, and that is, that has been, it has enormously bound us together um, in, in godly, profound and life-giving ways. So I think that's a, Christopher, thank you for bringing it up. I hadn't, hadn't noticed that. I'd been kind of hmm. blind to that last verse, but I agree. I agree. It, um, it really has decked my soul with gladness. For our theology segment today, we would like to look at a hymn that if you are Anglican or Lutheran, you probably know and love. And if you're not, <laughs> you may not know at all. And so we would like to take this opportunity to spend some time talking about it and, and teach it to you. And maybe you'll look at it, look at the poem, listen to the hymn, and maybe be as struck by it as we are. And it does have a humorous title in modern modern English. The name of the hymn is Deck Thyself, My Soul with Gladness. This is a translation by Catherine Winkworth of an older text, a 17th century text 
by author Johann Frank. Um, and actually, next to Johann Gerhardt, uh, is the was the most significant 17th century Lutheran poet and hymn writer. On his day, he wrote something like 110 hymns, uh, many of which were set to music by his good friend Johann Kruger. Uh, and even if you don't recognize that name, Johann Kruger, <laughs> you actually probably know his um, know a lot of his music. Um, his yeah, I won't go down that that path. Uh, anyhow, but a word about Catherine Winkworth, because I keep running into her, the more and more I dig into hymnals, the more and more I keep running into her. Christopher, I don't know how much you've run into her. She basically is the 19th century Lutheran, American Lutheran John Mason Neal. She took mm. all these, as German immigrants began pouring into St. Louis, Milwaukee, um, and other, and, and, and Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati, other cities with massive German populations, specifically German Lutheran populations. Um, there, uh, the second, the third generation, the fourth generation, there began to be desires to have uh, the liturgy in English or a hymnal in English. And she was a translator of a bunch of these German uh, hymns. Um, just like uh, John Mason Neal in the 19th century translated a lot of these medieval Latin hymns into English like O Come, O Come Emmanuel and, um, and others like that. So, so this is her again, this is her again. And um, Christopher, we often sing this at, as our offertory hymn, because um, it, it is sort of communion minded, um, and, and it's also good preparation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kirk, so, let me let me stop you and, and just ask about the about the verb deck. Yes. What does it mean to deck thyself? Uh, I would um, say to decorate or adorn. Decorate. Okay. Okay. What do you think? Is there another uh, verb you choose? No, no. I I, th I think that's good, but but you know, like. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. It doesn't mean you're like okay. punching the walls, but, right? <laughs> I know it's not punching myself. Although that brings to mind a, a moment where you just, it reminded me, the only thing comparable was when Zoom first had that lady who came yeah. on and, and said, this is now being recorded. And, and you just could not stop laughing at that. I don't know why we started talking about deck thyself, but like the thought of someone punching themselves. <laughs> Like deck yourself, like you were overcome by this. Like it, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a very familiar hymn, and you it, it, that for the first time ever, you're like deck yourself. Like what punch? It was a very juvenile. Yeah, I don't know if I was like maybe tired. you were low on sleep or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. So 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 to adorn oneself with gladness. That is and, and, that is. And I I want to say something about the word soul. Um, that uh the word soul um. Is not like the uh, non-corporeal part of our body that will someday swish away to heaven. The soul is like the the essence of us, yes. you know. Yeah. Um. Like our, our being, it's not like separate from our body. It's 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 like right. our 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 whole self, our our will, our all of yeah. ourself. Yeah. Yeah. Aristotle said uh, the the soul, like so, we, it's a modern notion that the soul is like the yes. ghosty thing, a ghost in a box. Yeah. Aristotle said the soul is the form of the body, right? So, like the soul precedes the body. It's like the 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 almost the software. That's a crude analogy. It's not. I mean, he didn't he didn't know the difference. Between, like he he didn't know software and hardware, right? But like the soul is integrated deeply, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So. Yeah, that's what you're saying. But I right? suppose I'm jumping onto um, a, a word that we haven't mentioned yet in the text of, of the song. <laughs> so do you want to go over the first verse then? Yeah, let's read the first verse yeah. and let's talk about it. Yeah. Deck thyself, my soul, with gladness. Leave the gloomy haunts of sadness. Come into the daylight splendor. There with joy thy praises render. Unto him whose grace unbounded hath this wondrous banquet founded high or all the heavens he reigneth yet to dwell with thee he deigneth so we established that this is this is about holy communion right and it's interesting christopher i love that you pointed this out that this is that the first line is an like an imperative a command like kind of looking at yourself in the mirror like adorn your soul uh, like, look at you. Be glad. Why? Leave the gloomy haunts of sadness. Come into the daylight splendor. Why? Because we are going to 
enter with joy and praises to him whose boundless grace has laid before us a banquet feast. Right? So yeah. it's preparing our soul for joy. Why? Because we have a banquet Invited feast. to this banquet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, high or all the heavens he reigneth. Um, but yet, yet he wants to dwell with me yet to dwell with thee he deigneth right deigns to dwell like condescends christopher you and i have talked about the yeah. condescend in the old-fashioned not mm-hmm. the old-fashioned like um the original intent which is um it was a lord's job right to protect um his his serfs right to protect those those on those who lived on his land um and so uh, a good lord the good lord right would um would always condescend to protect and serve um, those who were in his keeping, right? So, so our, our God, though he dwells over the heavens, yet he deigns to, to dwell with us, right? Do you, do you have anything to add to that first verse? Nope. Let's do verse um, two. Christopher, there's a second verse that's not in our hymnal, which as I, the more I looked at it, I was like, whoa, why is that not in the Episcopal hymnal? So I'm just going to do a drive-by of it. Yeah. Now I sink before thee lowly, filled with joy, most deep and holy, as with trembling awe and wonder, on thy mighty works I ponder, how by mystery surrounded, depth no mortal ever sounded, none may dare to pierce unbidden, secrets that with thee are hidden. Oh man, that is rich, right? So now I sink before thee lowly. What does that sound like that's uh, referring to? Uh, I'm not sure. I, th- I think that means kneeling. Con- confession. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I, yeah. kneeling for, I think for, that means well, kneeling, did, right? That, I wondered, but, but yeah. Right. And uh, so we kneel filled with joy, uh, most deep and holy. Um, and here's that that word that we has kind of been abused, right, Christopher? Because our my by my generation, awe. by Gen X, everything was awesome, right? As with trembling awe and wonder, on the mighty works I ponder. And then here we uh, we we see kind of obliquely the sacrament mis- uh, mentioned, right? How by mystery surrounded, depth no mortal ever sounded, right? How can this bread and wine contain the body and blood of Christ, right? No mortal mind has ever pierced that. And this is a very Lutheran point, right? Like, stop explaining it, <laughs> right? Like, Lutherans always are, like, both to the both to Roman Catholics with transubstantiation and to Calvinists with, like, their, their Eucharistic doctrine. Like, stop explaining it, right? It is the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, period, full stop, which I'm, like, I'm kind of sympathetic with that, you know, right? Um, so I love that, right? How by mortal, by mystery surrounded, depth no mortal ever sounded, none may dare to pierce unbidden, secrets that with thee are hidden. So do you, do you think, does that seem to be like exhorting us to just um, be in the presence of the sacrament with on wonder and with the eyes of faith, not with trying to comprehend? Do you think sure. that's kind of what that's bidding? Sure, sure. Yeah, we don't need to fully understand um, to <laughs> ponder thy mighty works, right? Like, yeah. Um, there's certain amount that's revealed to us and, and some of it uh, remains a mystery and, um, yet we ponder God's mighty works with trembling awe. Yeah. And I I think that might be the point. And this is, this is where I kind of leave the reformed, um, Mm. leave our Presbyterian and Baptist friends is I think that might be the point of the sacraments. Sure. Right. Like, so, you know, how can a rich man enter heaven? Right. How can, how can water save you? Right. Sure. Um, how can bread and wine save you? Um, it is the mystery of God that he chooses to apply the benefits of his death, passion and cross in this way. And I think that's the point, right? These are beyond yeah. our comprehension. The cross is beyond our comprehension, our ability to perceive how saved we are. We will never in this life do that. And so the means by which those benefits are conveyed to us would be confounding to our mortal minds as well. And so sure. we are driven to our knees in incomprehension, in mere awe and wonder. I think, I think maybe that's part of the point. Yeah. I don't know. I, so. I, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you, Kirk, <laughs> on, on, on the point that, that, um, uh, that, that would part from people who would be purely memorialist, but also the, the reform to... 
um, have um, systematized everything and explained everything right. neatly and, 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 and uh, tried to systematize away all mystery, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next verse. And, and Christopher, now we're back in our hymnal, right? <laughs> yes. Son who all my life dost brighten, and Light. son with a, with a U. And it's interesting yes. in, in hymnody how, um, because Christ is light, the, that, that um, it, it's hard to say, when, like you have to look, look again, be like, okay, this, this is a son with a U. We're actually talking about the thing that lights, um, but, but it's like synonymous with Christ the son, like Christ the son of righteousness, right? Yes. Well, that's, that's, a, um, that's Malachi 4, right? Um, the son of righteousness, uh, but, but for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, which of course we Charles sing. Charles Wesley beautifully yes. into Heart the Herald Angels. Sing. And I yeah. think our minds, we sing S-O-N, hail the son of righteousness, right? Like thinking son of the father. And mm -hmm. it's actually like straight from Malachi. Yeah, that sure. it's a different, different, um, different imagery, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. so son, right? Like, like Jesus is the bringer of light. Right. Yes. As, yeah. as John says. Right. Yes. Yes. In, in, in John's epistles. Yes. Go. If you if, if you're like, I don't remember, you know, this talk of Jesus being this um, being light, light, light. Go read. Is that just first John or is that all of the epistles? I think that's just first a Johannine theme that like okay, is, yeah. is, is woven throughout. But yeah, John one. Right. Uh, sure. In the beginning was the word uh, and we get uh, and the light was. Um, the light was not over, uh, the darkness comprehended it not, right? Yeah. Um, so even in this fallen world, Jesus is the light of the world. Um, sun who all my life dost brighten, light who dost my soul enlighten, joy the sweetest heart e'er knoweth, fount whence all my being floweth. At thy feet I cry, my maker, let me be a fit partaker of this blessed food from heaven for our good, thy glory given. Oh my gosh, Christopher, that's so rich um, and thick with so much meaning, right? So you, you initially pointed out, right? Like that here we have, we're, we're singing to Jesus, recognizing that he is our light, right? Mm -hmm. Who any, any source of brightness or any brightness in our life, it comes from him, right? Mm -hmm. um, then we have joy. He is our joy, the sweetest heart, uh, the, the sweetest joy we've ever known. And then I often call God the fount of our being, like the source of our being. We instinctively wish to return to the source of our being. And here um, he's, he's called sun, then light, then joy, then fount. Fount whence all my being floweth, right? Your very existence, you flow from Jesus, the fount of your being. And then halfway through the verse, we have a pivot. At thy feet I cry, my maker, right? So again, we're, we're on our knees, right? At his feet. Let me be a fit partaker. Like, let me, may, may I worthily partake of, does that sound like a prayer we say on Sundays? Chris I was going to say, this reminds me a lot of, of the um, prayer of humble access. Yeah. Yes, and how does that part go? I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, uh, go ahead. <laughs> Let me be a you go um, most, most worthily feed on your most and his, his most precious body and blood and our souls washed uh, washed in his most precious blood right like that we may worthily feed right let me be a fit partaker i mean we, we acknowledge we are not worthy so much as gather up the crumbs in your table but you are the same lord whose character is always to have mercy grant us therefore gracious lord so to eat the flesh of your dear son jesus christ and drink his blood um, that we may be cleansed. It's it's just yes. a it's not necessarily familiar language, but but it's the theme of yes. of through Christ's cleansing being fit to partake. Yes. Yep. Though we are not um, all by our own merits. Yeah. 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 For a good thy glory given, and then lastly, verse four, or the third verse in our hymnal, Jesus, bread of life, I pray thee, let me gladly here obey thee never to my hurt invited be thy love with love requited from this banquet let me measure lord how vast and deep its treasure through the gifts thou here dost give me as thy guest in heaven receive me and christopher i feel as if i've monopolized this conversation i, I have thoughts on this verse um before i launch into it would you um do you do you have thoughts on this verse 
I'll, I'll let you weigh in first. Okay. All right. My, 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 yeah, go ahead. Um, so first of all, uh, we, we've mentioned that, uh, John six, there are some of our Protestant brethren, um, argue that this is not a Eucharistic text. Um, and, and here, uh, if you sing this, you're acknowledging, right, that, that the bread of life discourse is Eucharistic, right? We are on our knees, um, about to partake of the sacrament, and we are calling Jesus the bread of life, right? So, um, Jesus, bread of life, I pray thee. Um, let me gladly here obey thee. Uh, Martin Luther, in his smaller catechism, uh, asks, uh, what is the fruit of the sacrament of the altar? And he says that the fruit of the sacrament of the altar is love, is love. And um, those people that we love in our life, um, we, uh, we, we are more ready to obey <laughs> when they ask us, when they, when they have requests of us, uh, when they make demands upon us, right? Um, so if we love our Lord, and if, we treat, if, if he is our Lord, let me gladly here obey thee. Um, and then we, for the sake of rhyme, Christopher, we have, we have, we have some more difficult lines here, right? Never to my hurt invited, meaning, uh, meaning like, Lord, never be involved in me injuring others, right? Mm. Don't, do, do not allow me to, to be the source of hurt. Um, be thy love with love requited, right? Like you, Lord, you love me. May your love to me May it not be unrequited, right? May it may uh, teach my heart to return your love. Mm. Boy, I like that, Christopher. Yeah. Because I know that I'm loved by God, but I don't go through every day of my life um, kind of full of life-giving love back to others and to him. Sure. Right? So I love this prayer. Like, Lord, make my heart so that it loves you back. <laughs> And then we have, uh, I think, a profound line. From this banquet, let me measure, Lord, how vast and deep its treasure. There is something about going through the, not going through the motions. <laughs> There's something about something, what's the word, mimetic or am amnemnesis, right? The, the idea that we, as we recreate the Last Supper, we have a more deep remembrance, right? Rather than simply, simply occasionally reading of the Last Supper, when we reenact it, it, its truths are more deeply embedded in our souls, right? So because from this banquet, let me measure how vast and deep its treasure, right? There's something when we weekly come to the Lord's table, I think its truths are more powerfully engraven in our hearts. Does that seem right? I, th I think that's sure. what's be what they're getting at here. I mean, that's what it means to be a liturgical people is, yeah. is um, that we are formed by, by the, the work of the people, the, the work that we do, the things that we do with our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last line, as thy guest in heaven, receive me. It's interesting, Christopher, our word, Holy communion, communion. So there's a, a horizontal communion. We are bound together as one body one Lord, one faith, one water, one body. We are one people because we partake of one cup. There's a horizontal communion, but there's also a vertical communion. We feed upon our Lord, right? Martin Luther said, it is like a lion. No, it's like a wolf ate a lamb. And then the lamb burst <laughs> the wolf wide open and the wolf became a lamb as well. Hmm. When we feed on the lamb, we will too become a spotless lamb because we have fed on the lamb, right? And through these gifts, thou here dost give me as thy guest in heaven receive me. We are united. We commune with him. We are united with him. And if we are united with him who is raised on high, right? Like the stronger magnet, drawing the weaker magnet up to it. So too, we will be drawn up and as his guest in heaven be received on the last day so that's what i think that is getting at um final thoughts on your end christopher i feel so bad for monopolizing this oh no don't um <laughs> no this this is a, a just a beautiful beautiful uh hymn um and and as you said it's a it's an appropriate offertory as as we prepare ourselves to receive um holy communion uh which which is um uh, I, I would I would uh, encourage everyone to to read this text and and to ponder it to pray over it. 
And um, th that, that is the extent of my concluding thoughts. Wonderful. Thank you. I thank you for indulging me, Christopher, as we talked about this, this um, lovely hymn, listener. Um, I don't know how much you know it, if you know it at all, but um, we'll include it here um, after our prayers. Shall we pray, Christopher? Let's. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. O God, our refuge and strength, true source of all godliness, graciously hear the devout prayers of your church and grant that those things which we ask faithfully, we may obtain effectually through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your Spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week. <laughs>